Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Does anybody still say hump day? Because it's Wednesday, and I wanted to say, good morning, it's Wednesday, hump day. And then I realized, I don't know, maybe people don't say that anymore. I still see in my mind's eye that camel walking around in that office announcing that it, I have no idea what the ad was for, I don't recall, but I did appreciate the the camel who just walked around declaring every day, because he had a hump, just declaring that every day was hump day. And so there you go. Every day is a day to give glory to the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it, even though, even though there's going to be, I mean, I'm confident of it. There's going to be news to the contrary. Um, But the good news is the overarching reality of God's redemptive plan working itself out in the context of human history. So that's the frame That's the reality in which we live, is the gospel universe. And so let us be sure that everything else that we consume and say, um, that we reflect, is, is in the frame of this gospel reality. Um, because there's gotta be a lot of information and news to the contrary. Um, but that's just providing, you know, texture and relief, like the the good news arc um, is in response to the reality of sin. And so if there were no darkness, if there were no sin, um, there would have been no need for the gospel. And yet here we are. So good morning. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. Thank you so much for the gift of your time today. There is one Super Bowl ad that people are still talking about in the culture um, this should come as a surprise to us that the one ad that seems to have uh, be be the centerpiece of an enduring conversation in the culture is actually an ad about Jesus. <laughs> just so, just pause on that for a moment, um, because the Super Bowl wasn't yesterday. I mean, the Super Bowl is now almost ancient history in terms of the news cycle, and yet there's one Super Bowl ad that people are still talking about, and it's an ad about Jesus. So, just think about that. It's an ad. Um, where Jesus's people are featured washing the feet of the unloved and the unlovely. That's the way I would choose to represent it. I know others are choosing to represent it differently. But how crazy is that? That this long after the Super Bowl, people would still be talking about a Super Bowl ad, and the one they would be talking about would be one about Jesus. So um, if the goal was to get people talking about Jesus, then that goal was achieved. Obviously, there's a lot of conversation um, because there is controversy. And so if you have not seen Jamie Bambrick's uh, response post, um, well, millions and millions of people have. He's a pastor in Northern Ireland. He's also an NFL fan and a video creator. And he posted um, just a silent response on his Twitter feed. I guess it's called X now. Um, And that has produced an ongoing conversation uh, about the way Jesus does transform the lives of sinners, um, that the gospel is about um, 
uh, encountering us where we are, but not leaving us there. The gospel saves, the gospel transforms. Um, There is a former life, and then there is the transformed life of the believer. And so you might want to check that out. Our friends at CBN News have posted um, not only that original content, but a conversation with that pastor. Why talk about all of this today? Well, because today's verse is um, from the foot washing portion of John chapter 13. And this is one of those places where we recognize that context matters. Context matters a whole lot. Because when I read today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day, you're going to say that doesn't have anything to do with foot washing. Well, if you read the entirety of John 13, you see that, yes, this is all of a piece. This is all connected together. So today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day requires the context of the Last Supper and the foot washing and Judas's betrayal and Peter's denial in order for these verses to be rightly understood. So what are the verses? Well, they come from John 13, verses 34 and 35. Jesus says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Well, taken out of context, that verse could mean almost anything. I mean, a verse could mean almost anything. Jesus is giving us a new command. Well, what are the old commands in the context that this is set? Um, Who is Jesus to be commanding us anything? Those are good conversations. And then the new command is love each other. Well, what is love? And how do you know what love looks like? And when Jesus says, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Well, what does that mean? I mean, does that mean putting flesh on the gospel? Jesus comes um, as an act of God's love and condescends to human reality. Does, is that what he's talking about? Or is he talking about the, the bread that he is breaking and the wine that he is pouring and the new covenant that he is establishing in his blood? Or is he talking about the foot washing? Is he talking about serving one another as he serves us, um, setting aside our own um, rights in order to introduce other people to a love that stoops? Your love for one another, Jesus says, will prove to the world you are my disciples. Well, what does that mean? And why would I want to prove to the world that I was a, a disciple of Jesus? Why isn't my own personal relationship with Jesus good enough? Why does anybody else need to know about it? Why, why does Jesus need me to be a testimony and a witness to who he is and what he has done? This is about living a transformed life. This is about coming into a saving relationship with Jesus and being transformed Um, And then walking that faith out into the world that God so loves is a demonstration of his grace, of his love. So read, read John chapter 13 today. Read it. This is your assignment. Read John chapter 13 today so that you can understand what Jesus is actually saying when he says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. Jeff Bilbro is going to join us next. One of um, Jeff's books is called Reading the Times. And Reading the Times helps us understand um, what we're giving attention to in terms of our consumption of media today and how it's consuming us. So, What you read or what your eyes see or what you um, allow to fill your feed, there's a reason that they call a news feed a feed because you're feeding on it, but it's also feeding on you. So what does it mean to read the news, to consume the news in order to be prepared to love our neighbors?
That's what we're going to talk about next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Jeff Bilbro is a professor at Grove City College. He also blogs at Front Porch Republic. He aggregates a list there called the Water Dipper. And ordinarily, when we talk to Jeff, we uh, we take a dip from the Water Dipper. But today, I wanted to reach back and talk about um, Jeff's book, just a couple of years old now. Um, I think it's got like a 2021 publication date, so just a couple of years. But, you know, here are the, here's the thing. It, it endures. And so it's possible that you've missed our prior conversation about it. And I thought now is a really good time um, as you and I are probably consuming more and more news um, in the lead up to the 2024 presidential election. And because, well, the world is a hot mess and we pay attention to all of that. Um, I thought that revisiting Reading the Times... Uh, a literary and theological inquiry into the news would be helpful. So, Jeff, welcome back. Thanks, Carmen. Um, let's talk about the the opening um, salvo here. Um, what does it mean to read the news in order to love our neighbors? Yeah, maybe I think your intro a few minutes ago uh, was helpful in, in drawing attention to that implicit metaphor in the news feed that uh, really what we're attending to is what we're feeding our um, minds and hearts and souls with. And so if we are always, um, or or at least consistently being fed, um, you know, distant drama that is designed, it's packaged to make us angry or frustrated or upset uh, or outraged, then that's the sort of disposition we cultivate, and then we carry that with us in our interactions with other other people around us. So it's not just like we're being educated or being informed, but really it's our whole uh, kind of orientation toward the world that's being shaped through our uh, our information diet. And, and so, yeah, there's real spiritual consequences for, um, for kind of... Uh, bloating our minds, bloating our hearts on the kind of standard news feed. Yeah, I'm reminded that, um, uh, you know, there's a prophet in the Old Testament who is, you know, instructed to eat this word, right? And if we spend time feasting on the word of God, then we are, um, you know, our our minds and our hearts and our bodies are strengthened in a different way than they are if we are feasting continually on a diff- on a different kind of information diet. And so I like that language. I think that's really, really helpful. Um, you, you lead off in this conversation about the power of attention and why what gets our attention matters. Can you um, spend some time unpacking that? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the ways that I try to explain the formative nature of attention is through Henry David Thoreau's metaphor, that he he develops right in the wake of the telegraph, um, which might seem quaint. Cutting edge technology, by the that's way. Right. The, the that's telegraph. right. The telegraph. Yeah. Yeah. And really, you know, it, it did radically shrink the world. All of a sudden, you're bombarded with, with news from around the world for the first time. It's that's uh, up to date. So it was the first digital technology and, and kind of the the main technology that shrunk the world. Um, and the internet's just filling out the margins, but. Yeah, Thoreau says that, uh, you know, if you feed your mind on trivia, on ephemera, 
then um, it becomes permanently profaned and macadamized. It's uh, which is a word he gets from road technologies that are basically sort of the forerunner to gravel roads, where instead of using a large kind of cobblestones to build up the road roadbed, road foundation, um, they would use small gravel uh, because it better withstands the the freeze thaw cycle. And that's great for road technologies, but that's not really what you want your mind to become. This sort of fragments, um, little bits that can't um, put up any resistance to the the information that other people want to um, send spinning down your mind. So if you want to be able to resist advertisements or political ideologies or you know whatever the, the sort of ideologies are that people are trying to sell you, um, then we have to develop the capacity for sustained, careful, long-form attention and not just attending in bits, TikTok-sized bites here and there. So when we talk about attention, I, I really appreciate it. And again, we're talking with Jeff Bilbro. We're talking about um, his book, Reading the Times. Um, I uh, appreciated the the way that you um, uh, unpacked Thoreau's likening the formative power of the news to things that cause disease. Here's uh, one of the things that you say. Thoreau warns that um, that the increased abundance and speed of the news threaten to fragment our attention and damage our ability to see what is really happening and to think rightly about those events. Um, said differently, we lose the ability to see accurately because there's so much to see. Um, and I was thinking to myself, I mean, we literally cannot pay attention to everything that currently demands our attention. Like, it's not that we have attention like deficit disorder. We have an overwhelming amount of information that's demanding our attention and we just don't have the capacity for that. Yeah. And so when it's, um, when we're kind of drinking from the fire hose, it becomes very overwhelming and we get this sense like, ah, there's too much. And then I think it becomes paralyzing. I mean, there's evidence that people who read more news are actually less involved in their communities. Uh, there's an inverse correlation between following the news and getting involved with yeah, whether it's politics or church or volunteering or whatever. So that suggests right there that, um, that the result of overconsumption is not like action or getting involved or doing something about what you're reading, but a kind of paralyzing despair, right? It's, it feels overwhelming. It feels like there's nothing I can do that will make a difference. So I'll just keep scrolling and keep being frustrated. Mm. Consuming the news in its current form can grind our minds and our souls to bits. Um, and so we want to we want to be people who um, have more light, but uh, less glare. Like we feel we feel blinded in so many ways and so overwhelmed. And I know I know you're feeling what I'm feeling in relationship to all of this. So. We're going um, to settle in here for um, an extended conversation about this. And here's what I want you to think about. Think about the words tension, tune, tend, attend, attention, and how those might be related to the concept of stretching. Tension, tune, tend, attend, attention. What do those have to do with Stretching. And how are you stretched and in what ways, formed and deformed 
by what you consume in the news. That's up next with Jeff Bilbro from Grove City College. We're talking about his book, Reading the Times. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. How are you preparing for the reality of Jesus's last days, his passion, Holy Week, the Last Supper, the Garden of Gethsemane, Judas's betrayal, Peter's denials, Jesus being stripped and humiliated by soldiers and falsely accused by the Jews and subjected to mock trials and ultimately crucified? How are you planning to give those events in Jesus's life the attention they deserve? That's what the season of Lent is all about. The 40 days prior to Easter are set aside to prepare ourselves to face the reality of the cross and, yes, ultimately to celebrate the reality of the empty tomb. I invite you to join us in reading through the Bible together during Lent. The study will provide a way for you to intentionally engage each day with the Word of God. You can sign up today at MyFaithRadio.com as we read through the Bible together this Lent. How can we um, recover from the ways in which the news has um, broken us apart and in many cases made us um, angry and even resentful toward other people? We're talking with Jeff Bilbro about not only what we consume in the news, but how the news consumes us. Reading, reading the Times is the book. Um, and we're just settling in really on the opening portion, talking about attention and what has our attention, what we give our attention to. Um, Jeff, I want to talk about liturgies of attention, but let's start with um, the, the words, tension, tune, tend, attend. They all, they all come from the same root, um, a root meaning to stretch. So can you talk a little bit about that, how attention stretches us in particular ways and how we're being formed by the things we give attention to? Yeah, I'm always intrigued by etymologies, by the history of words, and uh, it seems like that's often a path into a uh, understanding of the, the nuances of the meaning or content there. And I just think it's so interesting that attention, as you point out, comes from this root meaning to stretch. And, um, you know, obviously when you're tuning a piano uh, or tuning an instrument, you're trying to get that, that stretch, that tension, uh, correct, proper, uh, so that, that the piano plays beautifully. And, um, you know, there's a, there, there's a certain kind of warping or uh, shifting involved in that process. Um, so that when we stretch things, you know, there's uh, pressure exerted. And I think that's true also of um, our attention, that when we stretch out towards something, um, whether it be the news or uh, our family members or our neighbors or the Word of God, we are being, uh, that's exerting pressure on us and pulling us towards something, and, and we're changed um, through that kind of pressure. And hopefully, but not always, but hopefully our, our attention is also marked by uh, tending, by care by love so that um, as we're drawn toward um, other people, other issues, we're, we're uh, moving toward them in neighborly, Christ-like, sacrificial love rather than simply trying to um, see them as entertainment or something to get worked up about. So I made a, uh, a it's not a long list, but it's a sort of even just thinking about, you know, we were we were created to tend, like that was the first mandate that yeah. we would that we would tend, that we would cultivate the culture um, in a garden. 
um, and that it would be productive and beautiful, but it would give us something to do, and we would do it together. Um, and then Jesus, uh, in you know, in saying very specifically to Peter um, in his restoration, the threefold restoration, after Peter's threefold denials and Jesus's death and resurrection, you know, what does he say to him? You know, tend my sheep, like tend. That's what that's what you're yeah. supposed to do. Um, and this this notion of a tender tender. Um, a person who tenderly tends. This is such good language and such powerful um, Christian language and witness. And then I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't help but, you know, think to myself, you know what, attendance actually does matter. <laughs> like yeah. when people say, you know, church attendance doesn't matter. I am thinking, oh, in light of this conversation, church attendance matters. Yeah. Can you talk about? I know that you know liturgies of attention are not necessarily about church attendance, but they are about attending. Uh, with one another to the things of the faith. Can you can you just describe what when you use language of liturgies of attention? What what does that mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, church attendance is kind of a pretty key place to start. Um, you know, what what are the habits? What are the what's the work that we're doing on a regular basis that uh, forms our attention? And obviously, obviously, as Christians, one of those habits should be uh, gathering with the body of believers. Um, I mean, this is, I suppose, seems kind of trite or, uh, basic, but being formed by the, by the word of God too, on a daily basis is pretty crucial. I think of Psalm one, um, and the psalmist's description of the blessed man as one who is, uh, like a tree that's rooted by the, by the streams of water. And he compares that tree to somebody who meditates on the word of God. And if you're meditating and feeding on the Word of God, if your roots are stretching deeply into that wisdom, then you become like a tree that can bear fruit and bless your neighbors. So I, I think it's never um, just cliche or never just passe to reflect on our habits of church attendance and our habits of Scripture reading and prayer. But there are other things we can do as well, uh, in addition to those not in replacement, that can maybe counteract some of the um, unhealthy forms of attention that uh, are easy to fall into in our current technological and cultural time. So yeah, one of the things I think is helpful is just to recover and remember the value of of a craft, like cooking a meal or um, doing some woodworking or sewing something. Um, that That kind of art, that kind of craft cultivates a different mode of attention, of caring for material reality and adjusting your response based on the needs of uh, the thing you're working with. And hopefully that then carries over into other aspects of your life and attention. Yeah, and maybe if you're thinking about um, cultivating this in this you know, maybe spring semester might be a way to think about that. What if instead of just planting your own garden, you created some kind of community garden? What if instead of put, putting your garden in your backyard, what if you put it right out there in the front yard and welcomed others to um, come, you know, come along and and help you cultivate um, that soil and turn it into a little bit of a neighborhood garden? What if you did that in front of your church? What if, um, I mean, what what if you just found unique and new ways to invite people into what you are already going to be doing, but now doing it together. 
um, because that provides opportunity then for the building of relationships, um, for the cutting across of, of things that might otherwise divide us um, by getting into new relationships with people who we pass by all the time, but we never have meaningful encounters with. We've, we've got to be recreating those places and spaces where we can meaningfully intersect with one another instead of just running into each other all the time um, in a culture that uh, is is feeding us on, you know, on division. Uh, and so those are just some thoughts and ideas. Um, there's a whole lot more in terms of uh, not only the book, um, reading the times, but also sort of the outgrowth um, of these conversations that you can find um, where Jeff frequently um, spends time, and that is at frontporchrepublic.com, um, and where he aggregates uh, every week something called the Water Dipper. Jeff, as always, thank you so much um, for joining us. It's such a blessing. Thank you, Karen. Yeah. Hey, in the spirit of giving attention to the news that um, helps us love our neighbors, we're going to talk next with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. What a, what a joy to have our friend Ruth Kramer back from Mission Network News. Good morning, Ruth. Good morning. How are you? Oh, I am well. It is well with my soul. I had a um, a very delightful, uh, quiet time with the Lord. And I think any time you get to meet him in the secret place, then, you know, puts everything else into perspective. Everything else is small stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The world is a big, big place. I mean, small in the hands of God, but it's a big place. So two years ago, on February the 24th, um, Russia invaded Ukraine. I'm wondering if you can maybe give us the view from um, some of your partners there um, uh, in Ukraine? You know, I wish I could say that the hostilities were over, um, but Russia continues to attack different parts uh, in Ukraine. It, the The fighting is active, even as recently as this week, um, we were hearing from our partners on the ground that shells were landing very close to their studios. Um, so we're talking, you know, same city down the street kind of stuff. Uh, and, and, um, there's concerns. Um, ministry is still happening. You know, we we work with a number of different partners who are kind of straddling both sides of the border to meet the needs of the body of Christ in both Russia and Ukraine. But there's a lot of concern about, you know, the aftermath and the effect of what what is happening in war. At the same time, we're seeing new opportunities that are coming out as a result of all of these things. So Partners with Slava Gospel Association have been working with church networks between Russia and Ukraine to try to kind of get them to um, put aside the political differences and work together and meet the physical and spiritual needs that are existing in these war zone areas and have seen God really do some amazing things between the Russian and Ukrainian churches. Our partners at Transworld Radio have also been dealing with a lot of things. Um, they they have had to pivot to to meet those spiritual needs that exist that keep coming up as people re- interact and respond to the programs that Transworld Radio does. Because you think, you know, what does radio do in terms of meeting some of those immediate needs when you've got bombs and, and things like that falling outside? Um, what they're doing is sharing real-life stories, kind of listening to other people's sorrows and helping to bear those sorrows, and at the same time, pointing people to Jesus Christ. So they have a documentary called How Are You? It's actually available on YouTube. 
And this documentary um, takes real life stories to communicate biblical truths. Um, the 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 title actually means in the context, how are you surviving this? And there's a piece for each city that they visited where they just listen to people's stories. And um, each episode is two hours long. They travel to a different Ukrainian city to interview Christians in that area who are being salt and light in the cities and their communities in which they live. And it's just a huge encouragement because people who watch this say, I didn't know this was happening in my place. I didn't know this is something I could do. I didn't know. There was just so many things that, that people were saying, I didn't know. Thank you so much for for at least, you know, shedding some light on this. They've been doing podcasts to encourage people um, through some very difficult situations. And one of the, the things that I was talking about with shells falling the studio where they're creating this particular podcast is just down the street from uh, some of the areas that have seen some heavy action this week. And uh, so as they're recording, they're having to edit out the the sounds of, you know, uh, yeah. shells falling. Um, and, and, you know, one thing we can say here is that praise the Lord that their the electricity didn't get cut off, that their buildings were on un, uh unaffected by what was happening and that their team is safe. So continue to be praying for Transworld Radio and the, the ministries of Slavic Gospel Association as they are out and about because they're not, you know, hiding behind the four walls. They are out there being hands and feet, gathering stories, encouraging people to look to Christ in some very, very scary circumstances as we come up into the second year of this, this uh, conflict and not seeing really any signs that it's going to be stopping. Thank you, Ruth, as always, for keeping us connected to what our Christian brothers and sisters are experiencing and those ministries that are on the ground in very difficult places bringing us bringing us these really important stories. Let's pivot our attention um, to Bangladesh. Might start with a reminder of, you know, like geographically, where is Bangladesh um, and who is this pastor that we're talking about um, and has recently been released? Well, it's South Asia, and it's a Muslim-majority country. So you just already you have a context of some of the pressures that Christians are be are already facing uh, in a country like Bangladesh. Um, this is a you know a tropical area. It's very very warm. Food is extremely spicy. So you're already you can see this in your head, right? What's going on? <laughs> so. What happens typically is there's pressure from the family or the pressure from the community when someone decides to leave the majority religion, which is Islam, and follow Christ. And in this case, one of our partners through FMI um, became a believer and then also, you know, took it to the next to next level where he became a church leader and a pastor. And he has two churches that he that he shepherds in Bangladesh. So back in December, um, his father and his stepbrother got into a fight with him. And a big ruckus occurred, and he wound up getting arrested and thrown in jail. Um, while he was in jail, uh, the local, the council of the local mosque decided this was going to be a good opportunity to keep him quiet and to keep his ministry suppressed. So they filed some additional complaints with police, but police didn't actually reveal those charges. So they came across as like secret charges, but how do you defend against secret charges? How do you defend against any of this stuff um, when you don't know what it is you're being accused of? Uh, so for a couple of months, Tomal, Brother Tomal, that's his name, um, was behind bars trying to figure out how he was going to continue ministry, what was going to happen next because it was so uncertain. 
He was, it was disclosed back in January. He was being charged as a militant activist with ties to a terror group and as an activist of the current opposition party of the government. And that was what was going to make it stick. So then we had some concerns about, okay, this, these are some pretty serious charges and they could get him put away for a long time. So FMI came to the Mission Network news listeners and we did share the story with you back in December and we asked you to pray. Pray for justice. We asked you to pray for his release. We asked you to pray for um, fair adjudication. Uh, in this situation. And the good news is um, he is free today with a condition of parole. So FMI wanted wanted to thank everyone who prayed into Pastor Tomal's situation over the last 12 weeks. Here's the cool thing. I mean, aside from the fact that it took the country's high court to basically grant him bail and get him released, um, while he was in jail, he didn't remain silent. So he's there just kind of talking about, you know, uh, his his life story and listening to other people's life stories with the other inmates in jail. And he wound up um, sharing hope, uh, the hope of the gospel because he had so much scripture committed to memory. He was sharing God's word with these inmates that he was talking to. And today there's a murderer, a drug dealer, a rapist, and three other prison- prisoners who are serving jail sentences for their crimes whose names are now written in the Lamb's Book of Life because of Pastor Tomal, because Pastor Tomal was in prison with them, and he shared the hope of the gospel. So now he has a small church congregation in this prison, and that means he's got three ministry sites, right, to to, to work with. Um, there's a praise there. It's awesome, but it's not over yet. So continue to be praying for Pastor Tomal and his ministry um, because things haven't been able to get back to normal yet. Obviously, with this whole situation, he's been traumatized, um, and it's it's just taking some time to heal and recuperate and get back into his rhythm. We're going to continue our conversation with Ruth Kramer here in just a moment from Mission News. We're going to talk about what is happening um, in the Middle East. We're going to focus on those failed ceasefire negotiations and uh, and also the continued aggression by the Houthis, which is the Iranian-backed proxy in Yemen, and the instability that all of that creates in the region. Um, you are listening to Mornings with Carmen, also posted at uh, Mission News, and I don't want you to miss this. The Summer Olympics is offering some really extraordinary outreach opportunities, and we might not have time to cover that story here this morning, but I don't want you to miss um, miss that post either. So check it out, missionnews.org. We'll be right back. This is your birthday song. It isn't very long. Hey, Faith Radio is celebrating 75 years of bringing faith to life. That's right. We are 75 this year. So to celebrate, we are giving away 75 Faith Radio birthday boxes packed with all kinds of fun things to help you grow in your walk of faith and, yes, celebrate with us. So we're going to be celebrating the birth and growth and future of Faith Radio all year long, and you are an integral part of the Faith Radio family, and so we want to send you a gift. How fun is that? This is our birthday song. It isn't very long. So to enter to win a Faith Radio birthday box today, come to MyFaithRadio.com. Continuing our conversation now with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. You can find all the links to the articles and so much more um, at MissionNews.org. Let's pivot our attention, Ruth, to, well, I mean, we could pivot our attention specifically to Israel, to Gaza, but let's focus on Lebanon. Um, because you have a lot of mission partners there, and I'd like to know what they're telling you. 
You know, I just want <laughs> I wish one of these stories was not complicated, but it's the Middle East, so it's got to be complicated. There are a lot of concerns right now that the situation is, I guess, moving into a regional war. You've got Iran that is funding and supporting proxy militia groups like Hezbollah in Lebanon, which Hezbollah basically is the standing government in Lebanon right now, and the Houthis in Yemen. And the Houthis have been creating a lot of difficulty right now um, uh, for pretty much anybody that they consider connected to the West because they say that they're trying to stand in solidarity with what's happening with Hamas. So Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Houthis are all working together to try to um, basically wipe Israel and its uh, supporters and its allies off the map. This is one of those situations that is really difficult to to get at the heart of because when we talk to some of these partners that are working in these areas, uh, working in Iran, working in Lebanon, working in Yemen, um, you know, you have to ask the question, what is the end game when you, you're looking at all of these groups that are so narrowly focused on trying to erase Israel and they all come back with the same thing? It sounds like oversimplistic, but then when you really look at what it means, it's, oh, of course that is. And they all say, this is spiritual warfare. It is not normal to have this kind of enmity with one very, very small country. And um, and and the history of this country is spelled out in, in the Bible. So we can see everything that's been happening and how it's been uh, just kind of building on the enmity that goes on for generations upon generations. And it goes back to this is spiritual warfare. So we need to look at the situation as spiritual warfare and treat it as such, which means our first-line response is going to be on our knees. And all of our partners working in all of these areas are asking us to be praying for those ministries that are reaching some of these very difficult places, um, praying for wisdom, praying for safety, praying for the resources. Because in Lebanon, what you're seeing is this huge wave of internally displaced people who are fleeing from the borders where the fighting has intensified um, on the border between uh, it, it with Lebanon and and uh, Hezbollah and all the tit for tat that's going on there, um, and so you've got a whole new group of people that are coming into the areas that are already highly saturated with the Syrian refugees and and ministries that are already feeling the pressure um, are just saying they're going to need some physical help to get, to meet mm-hmm. these needs. Um, you're talking maybe. 6,000 people who've fled from one area into another area, and and they they need food kits. They need winterization supplies. They're just coming in with the clothes on their backs, and they're not ready to be hunkering down in a space that isn't their own. Um, and so Heart for Lebanon is right there, you know, being the hands and feet of Christ. Um, the neat thing there is, uh, well, you know, you're not celebrating the hurt or the brokenness of what's happening around them. But what they are celebrating is this opportunity that's come to them to preach and share the gospel to these with these people in difficult moments, and they're responding. So that you're seeing uh, so much interest now coming into the Bible study groups and worship gatherings. That a new church has been planted uh, for the Kurdish-speaking population in Lebanon, and so these are all things that they didn't anticipate. And God is providing, and and they're looking for new spaces. Lebanon Heart for Lebanon is looking for new spaces for these congregations to meet because. The new church they just built, which is, you know, three, four times bigger than what they had already, is overflowing. So, mm. I mean, this is this is it's a terrible thing, but it is a wonderful thing at the same time. So continue to be praying. I do think that that 
eternal and biblical perspective, the spiritual nature of this conflict, um, but then also the way God brings himself glory and turns people to himself through through the sometimes the most awful of circumstances. And so um, thank you for the the information, but also the invita- invitation to be to be praying and engaging. I don't want to forget um, to to talk about um, our brothers and sisters in Christ in Nigeria. I do fear that with everything else going on in the world, there are places where Christians feel forgotten. And so um, remind us about the crisis in Nigeria and um, and then maybe lift up the most present concern about the kidnapping crisis there. Well, the kidnapping crisis is part of the reason why we're watching what's happening in Nigeria. I mean, we're we're two months, three months into 2024, and Nigeria is already topping the charts for Christian persecution. I mean, aside from the fact that there's basically more than one Christian who's been killed since every single day since 2024 began, um, you've got massive kidnappings. And, and there's there's a couple of different reasons. Voice of the Martyrs Canada kind of spoke into this. Uh, the kidnapping crisis is driven by three factors, uh, religion, money, and political power. Um, so you have this this organization, uh, the Islamic State of West Africa province, and they're connected to um, the ideology of extremist Islam. Um, so is the Boko Haram. And both of these organizations are narrowing and targeting on um, the Christians because they're kind of a defenseless population. Now you have the Fulani herdsmen, and that's an argument that has some religious overtones, sectarian overtones, but it's also an argument over uh, resources. So now you have three well-armed, well-funded organizations that are coming in trying to remove the Christians that are there uh, for a lot of different reasons. Um, so, you know, you have the money issue. Uh, kidnapping for ransom is just a, a really quick way for a lot of these organizations to raise funds. Um, you know, they kidnap somebody, they kidnap a lot of somebody's times 100, and, you know, for the, the ransom to be paid, the, the families pay those ransoms, and this organization raises hundreds of thousands of dollars immediately, and then those people are let go. But in the process, there's this trauma that happens. So, you know, this is why we're. it's not just something we can just shrug off and say, oh, it's okay. Um, the political power is another part of that. Islamic State of West Africa province has made it well known that they want Nigeria to be part of the caliphate and that they want to be leading the way in being instrumental in, in constructing a new caliphate. Um, so that's the political power. It's an ideology that continues to take root throughout that, that region. And then, uh, you know, you just got... Um, the issues of religion. Um, when you, you're dealing with an ideology that is connected to the extremist side of Islam, um, nothing else is going to be allowed, not even like sort of conservative Islam or maybe what they would consider to be a little bit leftist, um, less conservative Islam. They're not following um, the Sharia law, um, so they're not the right kind of Muslim. Even those kinds of uh, folks are being targeted by the the people that are driving all of these these kidnappings and the, the attacks and things like that. So mm-hmm. the frustration has been that the government has not really been stepping in to protect people 
And um, that that was a major issue during the last election. But again, you know, you know, you have uh, new leadership and not really much is changing. Um, so the body of Christ is just saying, don't forget us. Um, they're scratching their heads a little bit about the U.S. response to some of these things that are going on, because while all this stuff is happening, the U.S. has taken Nigeria off of the list of Christians, uh, countries of particular concern um, for the international religious freedom things that the U.S. watches. Um, when we put some, the, a country on a list, it means we're, you're, on, you're on alert, we're watching you, and if you don't kind of start dealing with human rights and religious rights and religious freedom issues in a way that allows people to express themselves freely without fear of rep repercussion, we're going to have to do something. We're going to have to have something that have, has teeth. And maybe that involves sanctions. Maybe that involves, you know, changing the aid agreement. So eventually, this kind of thing where um, your freedom to follow Christ openly um, does have effect on other things, policy, government policy down the line. And so there's a lot of ways that believers are being encouraged to remember the body of Christ in Nigeria. Don't forget them. They feel like because this is going unchecked, that nobody is standing with them. Ruth, um, as always, thank you so much for uh, putting us back in touch with people who matter um, in ways that the world maybe doesn't account for, but you know every single one of these people um, is precious to God, and so thank you for raising up their stories with us. That's Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. You can find the stories we talked about today at missionnews.org. All right, so we have covered a lot of ground uh, already today, and yeah, there is still a day before us, so let's prepare ourselves to walk by faith and grace into the world that God so loves and to do so in ways that honor Jesus. So let's be sure. I was just reminded by a friend um, named Bob in, in Ada, Minnesota, about the importance of prayer and praise. And so let's, um, let's not neglect the prayer and praise of the Lord this morning. I'm thinking here of Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is beyond what you can fathom. One generation commends God's works to another. They tell of his mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. I will meditate on your wonderful works, O God, and I will tell of the power of your awesome works. I will proclaim your great deeds in the hearing of all today celebrating your abundant goodness and joyfully singing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his compassion is upon all he has made. All your works praise you, O Lord. Your faithful people extol you now. So let us be telling of the glory of God and his kingdom today in the midst of a world that is talking about um, a whole lot of, of other things. What has your attention today? Who has your attention how might you be stretched today by the word of God to a place of, of praise and, um, and proclamation, even in the midst of a world that is um, honoring God not or actively dishonoring God? How might you draw near to God that he might draw near to you? How might you pray and praise him today? Are you open-handed and open-hearted and open-minded in terms of the things of the Lord and guarding your heart and mind against other influences. What we give attention to, what's in our news feed, doesn't just fill us up. It begins to feast upon us. 
And so I want to encourage you to, um, yes, engage with what's happening in the world, but do so in a way that not only honors Jesus and edifies you, but serves your neighbor. Does that change the way you think about not only what kinds of um, information you are gathering in and consuming, but how you might be not only using it, but used by it? Every day, God wants us to be drawing unto him, soaking and saturating in the word of God, meditating on the things of God, considering the things of God, bringing um, the mind of Christ to bear on all that is happening in our lives and in the world around us, because after all, all of it belongs to him. He's got the whole world in his hands. So let's be praying today um, for our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. Let them not be forgotten. Let us remember them before the Lord and his throne, because he is gracious and he is ready to act. We've got another hour together up next. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Faith Radio, where we are connecting faith to life. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.